the very first shot is actually looking right at Nate. And the very last shot is looking at Nate. And what is scripted, this is what uh, Nick Mohammed's put on his Twitter, is that the actual script says the light has gone out of his eyes. Hi, everyone. This is Ben Guest, and welcome to today's bonus podcast episode. Today, we're doing a deep dive into the Ted Lasso season two finale, in particular, Nate the Great or Nate the Not So Great. If you love Ted Lasso, or you're interested in coaching and positive coaching, I encourage you to sign up for my newsletter, benbo.substack.com. That's benbo.substack.com. Takes five seconds, totally free, of course. Just enter your email address and you get a weekly email from me with the latest podcast or thoughts about coaching or updates about my book, which drops November 1st called Zen and the art of coaching basketball, which is about how I became, how I transformed from a negative, arrogant, angry coach into a calm, cool, collected coach who was much more focused on people and relationships than wins and losses, very much as Ted Lasso is, which is one of the reasons that I love the show. Also, I think down the line, maybe in a month or two, I'm going to be doing a Ted Lasso rewatch from episode one all the way through the end of the second season. That'll be a weekly rewatch. So again, if you're a Ted Lasso fan, I encourage you to subscribe. Totally free of charge. Takes five seconds at benbo.substack.com. That's benbo.substack.com. My co-host today is Andres Alvarez, who I call Dre. In preparation for this podcast, after I finished the season finale of of season two, I went back and watched the first episode of season two. And I noticed the very first line that Nate has in season two, he says, that's not what I wished for. Um, That's when Danny Ross is is kicking to win the game and Nate is making a wish. And he says, that's not what I wished for. And I think that's so appropriate for his arc over the season. So that's where we start. Enjoy. Dre, thanks for coming on. I've seen on Twitter hashtagging or using the phrase fuck Nate you know so I loved Ted Lasso I love this I love this and also fuck Nate and it's so antithetical to what this show is about which is about understanding people um, who are struggling with their own traumas their own issues etc and Nate is someone who is filled with insecurity and that's leading or he has insecurity especially as relates to his father and how his father treats him. And that's informing these terrible decisions that Nate makes that's just increasing his self-loathing. And you see that in the scene with the mirror where he spits at himself in the mirror. And so he's just sort of pulled by these different impulses because he's he, he's a gentle, kind person, but he's not behaving that way. And you see him in, in one scene act mean to somebody and in the other scene, he's worried about what Ted might think about how he acted. And you mentioned uh, Marshall Ramsey earlier. We we were going back and forth about that as well, because, you know, some people on Twitter have just been very, you know, Nate's the bad guy, Nate's evil, Nate's so forth. And Marshall's pointed out, you've pointed out, I've pointed out that Nate's just human and and, and he's making mistakes and those mistakes are reinforcing his self-loathing. And he is, and you mentioned this in the previous episode we did, this is a Star Wars story. This is episode, this is Empire Strikes Back, season two. And he's Darth Vader. Um, but we know in season three that that 
we find out that Darth Vader is human and, and, and has regrets and regrets what he's done. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if we see some type of arc like that with Nate in season three, but they certainly set it up with literally the first thing Nate says is, that's not what I wish for. This is not what Nate wants deep down, but he's he's struggling with with his issues. Yeah, there is so much there. And so this is kind of a rough one when we're talking story. Let, let's talk uh, Nate's arc. Because I actually, yeah. clearly, clearly, as you pointed out, this was deliberate. The start of the show, and I'm, I'm stealing this from Nick Muhammad, the actor who plays Nate. I mean, him, I, I really think him and Phil Dunster deserve Emmy consideration next year. Obviously, Ted Lasso won five Emmys this year, well-deserved. But, you know, I, I really think Jamie Tart uh, and Nate Shelley their arcs this season were incredible. And it, it is, is very interesting, right, when we compare the two, because season one starts with Jamie Tart being this arrogant asshole who's thinking of him first and not the team and treating people like crap. And Nate's this kind of guy on the sidelines who actually is kind of stepping out of the way repeatedly, uh, et cetera. And then it comes season two, right? Like, basically, Jamie Tart and Nate kind of swap, which is which is kind of funny. And uh, mm, Nick Muhammad yes. actually notes that in terms of plant payoff, you said it, the very first shot is actually looking right at Nate. Mm -hmm. And the very last shot is looking at Nate. And what is scripted, this is what uh, Nick Muhammad's put on his Twitter, is that the actual script says the light has gone out of his eyes. So they, they knew. And so th this season two really was kind of a Nate arc. And yes. there is yeah. a lot, lot great in this story. And I, I really do want to come back to the, because the, the, the fuck Nate is really rough. I got to give a huge shout out to Jeremy Swift, who plays Higgins. He's like, look, if you're really mad at how Nate's acting this season, you got to give credit to Nick, the actor. It's called range people. And that's, that's, that's the thing. So I think you and I had the same take. Like we watched that last episode and we're just like standing ovation, oh, so MVP good. performance. If you have a character that you loved, that you now hate and exactly what you were saying with your discussion uh, with uh, Marshall, we, the audience can understand. We, we hate what he's doing, but we can understand it. That is good acting and good writing. So the 100%. nuance of that, and you're saying it, people don't get it. Yeah. And Dre, don't you think that, that if people, if their response to season two is fuck Nate, that they've missed the whole fucking point. I think, I mean, Nick has said you're supposed to hate his character. So I think it's right. But at the same time, I do think that if we're fall, as you're saying, like if you're listening to Ted Lasso, that the I, I really, really loved the last interaction between them, which by the way, other other Easter egg that Nick put on his Twitter, this is the only interaction yes. in the entire this is the only one-on-one -on -one interaction with them the entire season. Yeah, and let's where dive Ted into goes, that interaction. Yeah, where he goes, What what did I do? And yes. it's it's I've got a question, apologies for, for crossing the lines in the coaching. This is a really rough thing that I've got to imagine for coaches, which is you do definitely fill a parental role, especially when we start talking the ways that you were preaching about talking in your book about the right way to think about the game, et cetera. And you do kind of end up in this weird, almost family mentality, but then there's something very fleeting, right? The season's over and you just lose touch with people and it just happens. That's part of sports. So Nick really is looking for Ted to be a mentor slash father figure. And the reality of that is unfortunately Ted's Ted's interest, especially as a head coach that has to deal with this team of 20 plus people that has to deal with the coaching staff of now three other people that has his own family only has so much attention. So and, and also Ted, Ted is going through his own 
incredible internal struggle. Oh, uh, yeah. And so when we're talking story, but one, one note I had, because I think you and I batted this around mid-season, and it's true, is like, Ted seemed a little off. And, and we even threw out, yep. just, just so we're clear, 100% credit to Chris Ye, number one Lakers fan, who said it on the Ted Lasso Clubhouse about this, where he said, Ted's not a good coach. I would agree in the middle of season one, he wasn't a good coach. And what's funny, I don't know if this is direct plant and payoff, when he is giving the Wembley speech, he's off, right? He's mm -hmm. messing up simple details and the back and forth actually like has the team wrong. Now, when he gives his last speech in the very last episode where they're talking about running, I think it's called the false nine. And then he says, nip it in the butt. And then coach Beard says, nip it in the butt. And they have, the, they have the very simpatico back and forth. The difference between that, right? When he's at Wembley, he says something and coach Beard steps in and he's like, oh, wait, what? what? Oh, I was wrong. Whereas when he says, nip it in the butt, it's almost like an alley-oop or a tennis match, right? He knocks it, coach Beard knocks it back. He knocks it back there. That, I think that was intentional, right? At Wembley, Beard and Beard and Ted are not in sync. That's such a great point. Yeah, and I I, I don't know if it's Ted, but I mean they're too good of writers for me not to believe it. Yeah, go ahead. And all I was gonna say is yeah, so so Ted in the last episode is back, but clearly he wasn't there for a lot of the season. And as you're as you're saying, what well, what's almost amusing about Nate's character in a in a weird way is he's not noticing that. Um, and I think what you can take is the emotion is real. I've heard this quote before, like the emotion is real, the logic is not. So he's like, you haven't given me any attention or any credit. Well, why didn't Ted give him credit? Two reasons that are, one I view as a coaching failure. So one is Nate goes off and insults Colin uh, early on in the show. And Coach Beard pulls him aside and is like, what the hell was that? Um, Nate messes up. Coach Beard takes it upon himself to handle it. He doesn't do it in front of the team and he doesn't tell Ted about it. End of the episode, Ted's like something going on. And Coach Beard goes, nope, nothing you need to worry about. So Ted's not aware of what's going on. So he missed some very real communication. And two, in terms of like growth, that's what's interesting. In season one, he is mentoring Nate to become an assistant coach. In season two, Nate's an assistant coach. Ted is not really doing anything to mentor him further. Now, like I said, here's where the rough part comes because you can have two sides that are right. Right. Ted is out of sync. And that is because he is having emotional breakdowns and mental breakdowns due to the divorce, due to his father's suicide, all of this stuff. And Nate's not picking up on that either. So that's, it's, that's, that is what I think is the best about this character. When you're saying, saying, fuck Nate's the right thing. It's going, he has a point. He is wrong. He is lashing out at the wrong people, but he is not incorrect. And it's the same thing. Like we got to be fair is Ted hasn't been on his game this season and he has good reasons. We can justify those. But if we're going to justify the good reasons that Ted's been off his game for a majority of the season, then we also have to at least give a little deference to like, why is Nate off his game this season? Right. Right. Again, you know, Nate is, he, he's in pain. Um, he's in pain and hurt people, hurt people. The, so is Ted at least a little bit to blame here? Going back to your point of these things are happening. Nate's having these outbursts and a coach who's totally present and totally connected to the team. Eventually that's going to hit the coach's desk. That's going to rise to, to the coach's level of him or her understanding something's going on. And that doesn't happen the entire season. So even though Nate is treating people badly, Ted, it never notices that he, he, he has no idea anything's going on 
with Nate until this very last episode. Coach Beard is Ted Lasso's Ted Lasso, right? Coach <laughs> Beard is Ted Lasso's conscience. He's the one who's always nudging Ted Lasso to do the thing he should do. And he he lets he, he is aware of what's happening with Nate and he doesn't communicate that to Ted. Now we've talked before about some of this stuff gets a little sweaty because maybe writers in the writer room they're having to to create um, conflict. So maybe in quote unquote reality, Coach Beard would have told Ted Lasso early on. Speaking of sweaty, I didn't like the 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 Keeley Roy stuff at the very end, where clearly they're setting something up for season three, but in terms of Keeley working too hard and not being present with Roy, but that just felt shoehorned in at the last minute. So in terms of Roy and Keeley, I have never really felt any fear about that relationship. In fact, even Roy, when he's like, are we breaking up? She's like, no, I just, I just got to work. And I mean, I agree with you where that's the rough part about storytelling. Like I said, if it's, if it's episode one to episode 10, fine. If it's season two to season three, it's got to mean something. And if all we're seeing here is that Roy and Ke Roy is, you know, there's already an episode about it. that's another annoying part about what you're saying is shoehorned in. So for, for those of you who don't know, very last episode, season ends, Keeley gets a brand new job, which has one of the best lines, which I think as coaches, teachers, et cetera, we have to, you as a coach, me as a teacher have to like, which is Higgins says a great mentor expects, or a good mentor expects that you're going to move on. A great mentor knows you will. And so Keeley got a, has gotten a fantastic new job with venture money from the, one of the companies she helped sponsor the team and actually get them through the issue with Sam at the beginning of the season. Uh, she's got a new job and Roy's going, let's celebrate, let's go travel um, for six weeks. And she's like, I've already started. I don't have time to travel. And he's trying. And we, we've already had, we already had an episode where Roy doesn't realize that the affection he has given isn't what she wants. And some of that is just communication, right? Roy loves Keely and is supportive of Keely, which is hard for Keely because she accepts that he's being supportive, but she doesn't want the support he's given and doesn't want to tell him. But the fallout eventually is just tell him the issue. You'll talk it out. You'll be fine. So the very last, we end the season on Roy's trying to be overly affectionate. Let's go on a six week, you know, a six week vacation together, which, you know, someone to start, you know, the reality is right. someone as a startup is like, that's just not viable. And, you know, we just need to talk about this. We can celebrate somehow, but that's just not in the cards. So it's just like, we already saw this issue. And yeah. if it leads to a bigger problem than we've already seen, it, it, like I said, I, I kind of agree. And let's the, the key one. So you said that one, that's my thoughts on that. But that relates a lot, in my opinion, to the Sam and Rebecca, where it feels like you have these two characters, you have a good story, it wraps up. Really, you should be able to let the story go, but because you want to make sure that the character's still around, you like have them do something. The Sam Rebecca dating, and good God, I hope they don't bring it back in season three. It felt so much like they went, we have nothing to do with Sam. He was a key part of the first half of the season. He is a key part of the end. We have four episodes with nothing to do. Let's give him a, a storyline and this will be a fun way. And it just did not work. Boy, for a show that that is so far ahead and gets so much right, they just screwed the pooch on, on this whole thing <laughs> because it's Rebecca is Sam's boss. Mm -hmm. She signs his paycheck. She can decide whether or not to release him, to let him transfer to this other team. 
it's an unequal power dynamic. Uh, and it's just, it's not good. The difference between Rupert and Rebecca is the same age difference as Rebecca to Sam. So there is some stuff there of this. So oh, I think there, there is something to the dynamic of older dating younger and how we view things, et cetera. And to the point of most people in the show are like fine with it. I would agree, except for what you said, which is one, she's his boss and that's a problem. When I was a teacher's assistant, right, it's funny. Right, they're, they're, let, let me let me clarify. They're both adults, right? They're both adults and um, they, they can make adult decisions. It's the power, it's the unequal power dynamic that's the problematic issue for me. That is a hundred, yeah, hundred percent still one of your lines there. But even in that, we're supposed to believe that Rebecca is just able to date one of, and by the way, Sam Wright has been in the news. Sam was in the news for basically boycotting um, Dubai Air because they were um, backing a Nigerian oil company that was messing up Sam's hometown, home country. And he, he, he boycotts and he's a big name in the media. So we're just supposed to believe that him and Rebecca are dating openly and nothing goes on. If there is something narratively that sticks out that you don't address, that that's a problem too. So I think, like I said, my, my real hope is that when they were kind of putting the season together, and this is the this is uh, this is the the one overarching big point I did want to get on my critique and justification of season two to you as a writer. It was basically the amount of time to write the season and the pace that they were given because essentially this show took off. Apple was like, oh, dear God, we want even more. So they gave them 12 episodes. And it looks like they gave them leeway too, which for a writer in some ways can be a bad thing. What I mean by that is season one is 10 30-minute episodes. And each episode is like a delicious Ted, um, Ted biscuit, right? Each one both contributes to the overarching arc and tastes good on its own. Brilliant. You really, it, it was like a perfect season one. Season two, though, you, you get between 35 and 46 minute episodes. They got two extra episodes and they're just not as evenly paced. But I think some of that as a writer, you get a second or third pass, you can make things better. They like mapped out a storyline, had a few things that they kind of shoehorned in, got extra space. They got two episodes that to your opinion, I don't know if this is true production wise, but pre-show we were talking, at least writing wise are almost obviously apparent after the fact. Meaning I think, I think draft one of season two was written before the Christmas episode and the Coach Beard episode were written because they are clearly added in and they kind of break up the flow just because they clearly weren't there originally. Is this an episodic episode that's just there to tell stories with these characters that you love? Or is this a, a book, right? Is season two a book? Mm. Let's, let's talk things that we liked about the finale. And let me start with what I loved, which was the scene, it's halftime, and um, the team all touch the believe sign and the coaches stand back and watch. Ted Lasso asks the team what they want to do, accepts the group decision, and then the team all touches the believe sign while the coaches watch. And what I loved about that is with my coaching philosophy, it's about you, you kind of create, and teaching philosophy, you create the, the parameters, hopefully, for trust, for psychological safety, for teamwork, for everybody being valued, and then it's your job to step back and let what's going to happen happen. 
Oh, and I mean, that does definitely show up in Zen and the Art of Coaching Basketball, another shameless plug for you, about your point of, of those two decisions. And I, and I was going to say that exact scene. So for those that um, haven't heard or just have forgotten from the last episode that you and I had, you mentioned something that really, really bugged you early season. And the defense I'm going to give is Ted was off his game. And it, 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 it's too apparent in how it, how the, it comes off that Ted was off his game and Ted is back. And and this last season, Ted is back. It's very clear the dynamic between him and Beard, what he's doing, the fact that he's on top of the fact that Nate, you know, the fact that he actually does approach Nate quickly as opposed to later, like all of that, Ted is back. This is Ted at his peak. You said you really hated when Jamie Tart came back early season with at least how it was portrayed, which is Sam's really upset, says, I can't play with Jamie Tart. He's one of the worst teammates I ever had. Ted said, don't worry about it. And then the, the episode ends with Jamie Tart strolling onto the field and Ted just kind of looking quizzically at his players, um, even giving the eyebrow up to Sam. And the question is, what does he say? And so from a writing perspective, because we never see the fallout of that, we are not given a satisfactory answer. And that bugged you, rightfully so. The end of the season is the coaches are all sitting here very much. Actually, I didn't even realize this here. You're putting it in my head. The coaches all had a discussion about if they should bring Jamie Tart back. What do you think? What do you think? What do you think? What do you think? And it ends with the decision being made, the players on one side, the coaches on the other, Jamie walking between them. This next one happens same way you're saying coaches on one side, players another. But what happens is the coaches, what do we do? What do we do? What do we do? Roy, ask them what they want to do. They've done a really good job setting up the different team dynamics. This is something important. Again, your book where it's, it's very fascinating when you watch the dynamics of a team, I hate the term role player on the court because I find it diminutive, but recognizing the different attitudes and what players can do. As an example, there's a player on one of your teams where you basically go, getting this person to trust me is key to the whole thing. Very Ted Lassoy. And so basically understanding their mentality and their actions is what is key to get the team forward. So Jan, who is the Dutchman, who has been hilariously honest to a fault, that is his personality. The The truth teller, they get him on board. Ted comes out and asks the team what they want to do. That's the key thing that had bugged you before. The coaches are like, what should we do? Let's clear it by the team. And the key point is, it is the coach's decision. It is Nate's call. But the truth teller on the team says, this is a sound tactic. We can do it. And what is also hilarious from a character perspective is Nate bails on his own strategy. I'm right. I know I'm right. I know I'm right. It starts doing wrong. And Nate bails and says, you're all just going to make me look like a failure. Whereas the team said, you made a good decision. We executed it poorly. Give us another chance. And they do. So, and then yeah. of course the and, other. And remember what Nate says. He says, they're going to fuck it up. It's the right strategy, but they're going to fuck it up. So again, Nate is in pain. Nate is struggling and he's just projecting blame onto everybody else rather than owning his actions. I wrote down three lines. So let me throw out each of these lines and just give me your reaction to the, to the line. So the moment when Ted and Nate have their confrontation, and as you noted, as Nick Muhammad, the actor who plays Nate, noted in this page of notes that he tweeted out, that's the first one-on-one moment that Ted and Nate have had all season. And Nate is brutal to Ted. And in fact, says, one of the most hurtful things that he can, which is you're supposed to be home with your son. That's where you should be. And in that moment, Ed's response is, what can I learn here? What did you think about that? 
Interesting. Yeah, it's interesting because I focus more on Nate. So a fascinating point about Nate in that speech is he says, you know, the photo I gave you, you don't even have. And the funny thing is we see episodes earlier, it's at home next to a picture of his son. It's, it's so meaningful to Ted that he didn't keep it at the office. He took it home and put it on his bureau or his dresser next to a photo of his son. Yeah, absolutely. And then another thing that they've done a very good job this season of with Ted is showing him with his son. I mean, there was, there was so much to see, you know, we did, we barely touched on, we didn't touch on Ted's therapy at all. We barely touched on Roy and Jamie and maybe your lines will get us to that. Um, so, but with Ted and his son, something that has been apparent is that he is, he has both simultaneously made an effort to keep contact with his son. So we see that, right? He's giving him advice on what to bring to show and tell. I think this episode of the episode before, while also dealing, this is some of his mental breakdown of, if my kid's school calls with an emergency, I am powerless. I can't do anything. The school calls and says, your son's had an accident, which is what he thought. Like, that's why it worked out so well, because they're calling to say, hey, he forgot his lunch and his field trip. What do you want us to do? But when he first hears it, and I, I, I recently had a similar moment in that boat where I went to pick up my kid from daycare. He was, in, he was outside and it took me like two seconds to realize. So I go and he's not there. And it's like, what the hell is going on? Like just that visceral fear is apparent. So Ted, Ted definitely has been feeling with that. So what's fascinating when he says, what can I learn here? That's interesting to think of that like biting line from Nate of you should be home with your son because Ted's already dealing with a lot of that. And it's a funny reality that we are privy to because we've seen behind the scenes that he and his wife had issues and she needed space. And he is grappling with the fact that he is trying to give his wife and child what is best for them while dealing with the fact that his own dad abandoned him. And that is really hitting him. And I don't have a good answer to that because I can completely understand saying you need to be close to your son. But at the same time, if you and your wife are breaking down because you are too, because it's the Roy, because you're too close. I mean, that's, that is always the issue with two people raising a kid. So that is biting it. Ted says, what can I learn here? And we know all, we know all of that backstory, right? And I don't know the answer there, right? Because that is a very biting line. that's going to get right through to Ted. And I think we as the audience accept two things. That line has a little truth to it. We understand it from Nate's perspective. I mean, what's so hilarious about this entire season is if Nate's dad had just said good job when he did, when he ended up in the damn paper and, um, I do want to get this brief rant in because it was related to that thing. Someone said participation trophy on your thread when we were talking about coaching things. When we were taught, when you were talking from last episode, coaching and anger, Zen, all the stuff in your book, great stuff. And someone said participation trophy. And that actually got me angry because I think that when it comes to encouraging your players and giving them feedback and credit, that, that is, it is so weird how hated that is. So Nate's almost showing that like a little bit of positive feedback from, from his dad. Now he projects it onto Ted, which you and Marshall agree is not really fair. And that's the rough part would have gone a million miles. So I think that's the funny thing with, with all of this is like an attaboy from his dad and he wouldn't have been feeling what he's feeling here. Right. I mean, so much of this season is, is fathers and sons, right? I mean, it's parents and children, but it's, it's yeah. so much fathers and sons. What I loved about that moment is that even as somebody is saying these incredibly hurtful things, what we love about Ted, what his superpower is, 
is his compassion, his compassion and his understanding. So even in that moment to say, what can I learn? Meaning I'm, I've done something wrong, even though you're insulting me, what can I learn here? I want to understand. Um, there's a great phrase that is used in reconciliation work. It's enemies are people whose stories you haven't yet heard. And Ted is recognizing in the moment, there's something I haven't heard from Nate. There's some story here that I haven't heard. And he's saying, what can I learn? I just thought that was so um, wonderful. Okay, the second line, so three lines, second line, and Marshall Ramsey on Twitter mentioned this. Second line is, every choice is a chance. It's kind of a boring answer. I'm just like, absolutely. I mean, that's just kind of so on the nose. And that's, it's always an annoyance when you're like, yep, agreed. <laughs> Attaboy. <laughs> Coach bearded um, up, just do like, yep. Yeah. Which I think the one of the overarching themes of this season is about secrets secrets and shame right and so what ted's doing in that scene where he addresses the team is he's saying yeah i, I shouldn't have kept this secret uh it's true and by getting it out there it diffuses everything it diffuses the external stress and more importantly it prevents that that spiral of shame from happening because you're being honest and you're being open and you're being vulnerable and um Conversely, Nate is hiding things and Nate is keeping things in and it's creating this, um, this awful decision tree that he's making. <laughs> last, last line. Okay. So this is in the first episode of season two after Danny Rojas kills Earl the dog. And um, I think Rebecca's like, Keely, you need to tell Ted he doesn't need to do a press conference. And she's like, I already did. And he told me, don't fret Boba Fett, which is a great little Empire reference. Uh, this is season two is Empire Strikes Back. But anyway, in that press conference, Ted, which he does give, Ted talks about his neighbor's dog and his neighbor's dog bit him. And then um, when his neighbor got older, he started taking care of the dog and then eventually adopted the dog. And of course, the dog eventually died. And he says, cry because they existed cry because they're gone. And I just thought that was an incredible line, having watched the whole season, rewatching episode one, because that's referencing Nate. That's referencing what happens to Nate, right? He tears the belief sign. That relationship is shattered. Cry because they existed. Cry because they're gone. He's also referencing his father. Um, so I just thought that line was so powerful. Dog story is fascinating from, from like two fronts when we're talking a Nate storyline. Yeah. And I mean, I, I, everybody is asking rightly what, what is going to happen. And Nate, uh, Nick Muhammad said when he read about tearing the sign that he was going, that he like screamed, like he was just like so painful, but yeah, the, the, I, it's funny because we talk plant and payoff and you're, you're talking the right mentality. And I didn't, damn, that's good. I, I, I should have rewatched the first episode like you because the cry, because they existed cry, because it's gone such a good plan and payoff because what keeps happening at the end, the, the end of the show, the, the, the button of the show is all of these characters leaving on one good term or another, right? Keely is leaving Rebecca. Keely is in an interesting way. What's, what's really mm. rough for Keely and Rebecca and Keely and Roy is going, 
I am still here, but our relationship is not the same dynamic. And, and that, that can be very rough from like a coaching perspective, which I think is what Roy is struggling with is going, I trained you, I got you here. What you're saying, right, is you, you let him go and you trust, but it is really hard to go, wait, you don't need, you don't need me anymore. And we, we've, we've critiqued a lot of coaching. Uh, you critique a lot of coaching. You said you had to learn that as a, a very hurt, hurtful lesson in a very bad season early in your coaching career of like, I don't need to pull back on people that I've effectively taught or coached. So cry because they existed, cry because they're gone really works as a thesis statement for the last episode, because it is all about, yeah. is, it is all about people leaving and, and what that means and how you can, the Nate one is the most poignant because it is the, we were really good together and this is a bad breakup. Whereas the other ones are almost the, we were really good together and it's not the same anymore. So that's, that's a really good one to pick up on. Cause I hadn't, no way that's not intentional to, to start the season with that and then end the season with the, the plot lines where they were. It's, it's just masterclass storytelling. Well, Ted Lasso season two, bravo. I loved, I loved the season finale. The only thing I didn't love about the season was the Sam Rebecca storyline. But other than that, just, um, I loved the, the focus on therapy and therapy, you know, being a helpful tool, the, the one of the most helpful tools for dealing with trauma and being just upfront about that and loved it. Loved the season finale. I feel bad. And to your point on that, there were some, you that's know, a, that's a diamond dog in the background. Yeah. Dr. Sharon. I liked, I loved Roy and Jamie's interaction. There was so much good stuff that we didn't talk this episode. And it's like I said, it was the same as some of the quotes you found where you're like, here's the quote. What do you think? I was like, I thought it was, I don't need to comment on it because it was good. So some, what you can almost take, I'm not giving this as a blanket, but pseudo blanket. There's stuff we didn't talk. You're like, why didn't they talk it? It's probably because I don't have that big of critiques about it. Right. And also we could talk for five hours, but you, you are married with, with a four-year-old. So you I'm, have to I'm go. Giving you the, I'm giving you the bigger one. You, you're planning to edit this before. And I, I do, for anybody that listens to podcasts, yours in particular, your podcast has been a masterclass in writing in promotion the guests that you have booked have been remarkable so like i said you you've done a a master class with these episodes and for good podcasts ben yours counts 100 percent editing and knowing the right thing and what to drop you dropped some great words of wisdom you gave in the last episode uh so i mean i, I feel for you I like we were, talk, we were talking your book before the show i know in your book zen and the art of coaching basketball I know you had to cut some stuff that was huge, but like huge editing is huge. And so what I just did is I said, editing is really hard. And I gave you three extra minutes to edit. So <laughs> no, uh, no, no, the... no worries. And, and, and for the listeners out there, the book Zen and the Art of Coaching Basketball, which touches on all of these themes is will be available November 1st on Amazon, exclusively on amazon.com, both print and ebook. And Dre is going to, do a podcast interview with me. He's going to interview me about the book um, the day that it that it drops. So if you enjoy this episode and want to keep up with with me and with the book, you can follow me on Twitter at beguest and uh, Substack benbo.substack.com. And Dre, tell everybody where they can find you. Okay, uh, at Nerd Numbers on Twitter, nerdnumbers.substack.com, and, and Nerd Numbers at Substack. Make sure you you sign up for Dre's newsletter. Dre, thanks so much. Thank you. That's our episode. Again, you can find all of my work at benbo.substack.com. That's benbo.substack.com. And my book, Zen and the Art of Coaching Basketball, Memoir of a Namibian Odyssey, drops November 1st on Amazon. Have a great day. <laughs>